Hello, Loose Lug Nation, and welcome to episode 34 of the Loose Lug Racing Podcast, produced by Double L Sports Network. I am your host, Lauren Leach, once again, and as usual, I am joined by Mark Allen. Mark, when I think of the number 34, I think of Mighty Maxwell Schultz at the local level, and in NASCAR, I think of Wendell Scott, David Reagan, Michael McDowell, and I know you have a few as well. I do. You took them all. That's all I know, man. 34. Um, J.J. Smith, back in the day, he raced a dirt car 34 with a Bryce chassis back in the day. Um, I guess that's all I got for 34. You took all the good ones, man. Some successful drivers, though. 34, a good number, and I'm sure we'll see some more in the future. Well, Snowball Derby was upon us. It started Thursday. Grant Thompson, a 14-year-old, won in the Pro Trucks. Uh, he would go on to also race in the Snowflake for, uh, 100. And Grant is a kid to watch for in the near future. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, truck race. Uh, yeah, he pulled out a good victory on there on Thursday night, man. Very impressive indeed. And then also James Patrick, he won the Sportsman race. And Daryl McDonald the third won the Pure Stocks. So some good racing on Thursday night to kick off Snowball Derby weekend. Yep, Thursday night was a good show. So it was just just the beginning of uh, the, the weekend that was uh, upcoming. So, yeah, it was good good Thursday night racing, man. Then you go into Friday, and we've talked about this with our driver interviews and other things. The tension going into the big day, the Snowball Derby qualifying Derek Thorne sets fast time. What a uh, second year in a row for the Snowball Derby fast qualifier. Unbelievable. We interviewed him before, and we just couldn't believe the stats when we saw him. Yeah, it was a – I believe I'm the one who picked him to uh, to be there. So, uh, yeah, I can chalk one up for uh, for uh, on that one. So, um, good qualifying session. A um, lot of guys – a lot of guys didn't make it. They ended up having to go to the uh, to go to the last chance race. Derek Griffin would go on to win the modified of Mayhem feature later Friday night. Those modifieds, them are uh, them are some fun cars to watch. That was a fast race, man. It, it was yeah, they cruised pretty pretty good around that track, man. It's uh, um, really weird seeing that rear right tire out of the wheel well like that. You know, at first I didn't think that looked natural, but uh, yeah, that's the way they got them set up around there, and they really hauled the mail around that track. Yeah, it is weird seeing that, and you think maybe that's for stability going into the, the banking and some better turn like that as well. Some people also had some problems with rear ends in that race too, so some of that was maybe exaggerated when you saw some of those as well. Well, then we go into Saturday. The Snowflake 100 qualifying goes to, you guessed it, Derek Thorne. So he was going to set the field for both of the big races over the weekend. Yep, yep, Derek Thorne. He's, uh, he sure knows how to get around that place. And then, there, of course, there were some drivers who weren't going to make the field, would have to go through the last chance race, a 50-lap last chance for the Snowflake 100. It was uh, an interesting race, as it always is. Uh, Jake Johnson takes the win, but there was a big incident in that race between Bobby Roos and Charlie 
Kevin. Um, wow, that uh, that was scary for a minute. Yeah, it took Charlie a little bit to get out of that vehicle. He said, well, wow, he's just getting out of the vehicle now. And, and he walked pretty gingerly, and I guess they took him by ambulance out of there. Um, that car got airborne. That rear end of that car came off and ripped the right side of the car off. Um, yeah, pretty scary incident there. So, and uh, you know that's Rouse's last race. I, I believe that's what he was saying. It's a, kind of a hard way to go out. Yeah, unfortunately for Bobby Roos, it will be his last race as a driver. He will be continuing as a team owner, as a family, a team there. So. We'll look for that team to rebound. Unfortunately, not with him as the driver, but hopefully continued success for that team. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. So, been around a long time, man. He's got a lot of miles on him, so yeah, heck of a career there. Absolutely. Well, then we go into the snowball last chance, and sometimes that can be a real grinder, as you would say, Mark. Uh, it was actually pretty clean. Uh, Chase Elliott takes the win. Augie Grill will also advance along with Derek Griffith and Chandler Smith. Chandler Smith had a come a long way, as did Chase Elliott. My, oh, my. Yeah, Chandler Smith got uh, penalized for having a cell phone in tech. And I guess that's written in black and white in the uh, rule book, and that's a no-no. And he was busted for that. So he had to start last and... Uh, yeah, wow, he made it work. He comes through there, and uh, boy, Chase Elliott, uh, he came from mid-pack, too, and that car is definitely hooked up, and he's going to be a factor for tomorrow's race, too. Yeah, so Chandler Smith did have to start at the rear of the last chance. He wasn't going to make it into the Snowball Derby on time regardless. He would have been 37th, I believe, in time. Unfortunately for him, that put him back about, 15 spots or so 15 to 20 on the last chance race but he was able to uh, get into the top four and he'll he does advance over to the snowball derby yeah it was unfortunate you know our our local hero uh, Casey Johnson started on the front row and wow he looked like he had a handful of a loose car you know so and he faded and you know Austin Nason was up fast too you know he was running second and and then he kind of faded there at the end too and and uh, Dalton Zier, he uh, he ended up early, and and uh, Gabe Summers, uh, he he didn't make it either. So unfortunate for our Wisconsin Wisconsin guys, they uh, they uh, have to do it again next year. You know, sorry to see him go home, but um, well, hopefully they learn something for next year. Yeah, you know that's the thing. It's always unfortunate to see drivers have to go home after a race or not race and stay somewhere and especially for a big event and for as far as it is to go to the Snowball Derby for uh, the Wisconsin drivers here, our friends, and Illinois drivers. Unfortunately for Casey Johnson, Austin Nason, Gabe Summers, and Dalton Zier, they failed to qualify. And we feel sorry for all the drivers that weren't able to get in because you and I said this in the uh, preview podcast saying that that field for the last chance qualifier would be a spectacular feature no matter where you go in the country. And it was ex exactly that. It was a great field of cars, and unfortunately they only take four from them. Yep, that's the way it is. You gotta, you got to <laughs> perform and you got to, you know, uh, luck of the draw might have a little bit to do with it too. But, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, that's part of it, man. Somebody's got to go home and everybody's well-deserving to be down there. And so... Yep, better luck next year, huh? How's that? <laughs> that's that's all you can say. Too bad. 
Yep, it is too bad, and we wish them all the luck in, in the future and can't wait to recap everyone's weekend here uh, in a short while. Well, right after the Snowflake 100, which we'll get into shortly here, was the Outlaw feature, which was won by J.J. Day. Uh, great battle between him, Bubble Winslow, and Henderson. Great race. You know, uh, everything's been clean all weekend, and uh, this one here was, uh, uh, we tore up all kinds of stuff, red flags and busted radiators and water everywhere, so um, <laughs> we, tore up, we tore up a whole bunch of equipment on this race here. Yeah, we did. It, it, like you said, it was, it was mainly clean Thursday, maybe a little bit. Um, had a few incident, more incidents than usual, and then this feature, uh, it was caution-filled, we'll say that, but... Congratulations to J.J. Day. He said that other than marrying his best friend and having kids, that this was the biggest thing to happen in his life. It, it's the Snowball Derby, he said. In Mobile, Alabama, stand up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's going he's gonna to have a few tonight. He'll be uh, celebrating on that one. Good win for him. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well... Then we go into the Snowflake 100, and what a race that was. It was clean for the first part, and then some incidents started happening. Mason Keller was one who had some issues, some others as well. It was going to come down to a great battle between Derek Thorne, Stephen Nassie, Bubba Pollard, and Jake Johnson, who we just talked about, who won the last chance qualifier, was coming through the field as well. Yeah, he started shotgunning, and he uh, um, got some new tires on that on there and uh, come flying up through. And uh, what an entertaining race, man. That was a good one, <laughs> especially the way that ended up there. <laughs> there were moments of three wide with Thorne, Nassie, and Pollard. Some fenders rubbing there. Derek Thorne was dominant early. You know, and then on those restarts, it seems like that outside groove just doesn't have the, the get-go. You know, it seems... Uh, some guys were struggling uh, trying to get off uh, on restarts on that outside groove. Yep, I noticed that as well. The outside groove, it seemed like all weekend you would get up there and there's not as much much grip. Sometimes you can pinch a guy down and get that run, but sometimes you just don't have the grip to do that either. They say that's quite common when it's cool down there, that uh, that it's hard for the outside guy to, to get the grip to... Uh, so uh, make that happen. But uh, at the end there, Bubba Pollard was on the outside, and um, he showed that he could do it even. It looked like that he was just like a half a second uh, on the restart to make it go, and uh, it seemed like he was the best one that made it look uh, like he was actually getting off on, on the outside there. Absolutely. Bubba, by far, did the best job on the outside on the restarts. Derek Thorne ended up fading just a little bit near the end, so that was going to set up a showdown between Bubba Pollard and Steven Nassie. Steven Nassie held the lead on a few restarts, but Bubba was able to uh, potentially jump or at least get a good restart enough to take that lead at the end. And Steven Nassie fell back a little bit, but was closing in the closing laps, got to his back bumper, coming to the checker flag through three and four, Gave Bubba Pollard a little shove. Bubba went up the track and could not hang on. And Bubba Pollard goes around. Stephen Nassie does cross the lane first. 
unfortunately, the scoring tower rules and the official rules that that was too aggressive for their liking, and Steven Nassi gets disqualified. He'll be the last car on the lead lap. That gives the win to Jake Johnson, the guy who won the last chance qualifier. How about that? I tell you, you know, we can, uh, there's some people probably out there that can disagree or agree. You can sit here and talk for hours about that incident that happened. Um, personally, I think that's just racing. Um, it's a ball and strike call, and that's what the uh, officials called. Um, I don't think it was blatant. I don't, you know, you come up and you just want to move the guy. Um, uh, personally, I thought that was a bad call that Nassie got, uh, taken away, but, uh, well, we're not officials. That's what they, they call it. And they talking about the integrity of the series. And so that's, <laughs> that's the call. And you just like, but I shook my head. No. And I thought that was just a racing deal. And it was just unfortunate that Bubba couldn't hang onto the car. Um, you know, and those two have uh, quite a history, <laughs> you know, so that's just going to add just a little more to the to the layers. So that's my feeling. What do you think about that? Uh, think about that uh, final couple laps there. So first, let me say this. Officials and track employees and volunteers don't get the credit that they deserve. It's a thankless job. So thank you to everyone around the nation that does something like that and other jobs where you're helping and volunteering uh, people in need and all that stuff. In this instance, I will say that I agree with you. I think it was a racing incident. I don't think it was super egregious. I think it was one of those where you knew it was coming. You you knew that a little bump was going to come. I don't think he went in there saying, I'm going to go in and wreck him. He wanted to move him up the track, which is exactly what he did. But then Bubba just lost grip there. Um, so I disagreed with the call personally. I, I understand it. The thing that I'll say a, about it too is there was a couple of calls throughout the history of this weekend, and I'll use this as an example. Back in 2010, Mark, I just showed you the video a little while ago before the Snowflake for 100 happened, and Joanna Long and Landon Castle. Joanna Long gets into Landon Castle. I would say that that was even worse looking than what happened between Steven Nassie and Bubba Pollard. It was with two to go coming out of turn two. Castle spun. They let Joanna Long stay in her spot. She goes on to win the Snowball Derby in 2010. Nothing against her, nothing against Landon Castle, against the calls. I just think, even for me, that sets the tone for how you have to call the races in the future. It doesn't matter if it's with two to go, five to go, or coming to the white or checker flag. To me, if it's not super, super egregious, that set the tone for how it should be called in the future. And I think when you look at that, then you look at this, it was just called differently. And it's a ball strike call, as you and others have said. It's tough to do. I completely understand where they're coming from. Uh, I'm not, I don't think anyone should be super upset with what they decided or didn't decide there. But uh, to me, that's what I look at. I look at previous things to determine how things um, potentially should be called or looked at. And I don't think that's necessarily what happened in this incident. 
you know, and then it's unfortunate that a couple other people got caught up into it and one car ended up on top of another and, you know, and <laughs> make sure that everybody's safety was there. So that just kind of ended up some innocent bystanders got in there. But I think that's racing, man. That is just absolute, you know, if you, it's, it's called the bump and run. And we've seen that. And as we were watching that race for five laps, say, he's coming, he's going to do it. Everybody knew it was coming. And Nassie was the fastest car, I believe. Um, and it's just it's just amazing that Bubba couldn't hang on to the car. I think, you know, he's he seems to be a wheel man that can actually recover from something like that. And uh and if he would have if he would have saved it, uh race over, Nassie wins and we move on. Uh but just by Bubba losing that, losing it there, and then making that call. I mean, he didn't drill him. He didn't drive through him. It was a bump and run. We've seen that in the sport. And, uh, but, and so uh, that's, that's the way it is. Um, it's a ball and strike call. And, and that's, that's the call that's made. And we can't argue about it. So as you were talking there, I thought about some other things. And first off, I'm glad everyone was okay from the incident as well. Because it, there was a car on top of another car there right in the window. Um, glad everything, everyone was okay. Uh, never, you know, a lot of times in these incidents, there's a lot of innocent bystanders, as you said, and that's, that's really the unfortunate part. Didn't have anything to do with the incident and maybe was caught up in it. It looked like maybe another car had an issue too, hard to tell. Um, so glad that everyone was okay there. I feel bad for Bubba Pollard because he's coming to the checker flag thinking he's going to win, knowing probably a little bump's going to come. So I feel bad for him. Um, the other thing you got to think about too is, you know, and Steven said it in his interview, he thought Bubba jumped the start. And I think that could be an argument as well. So if you're sitting in Steven's shoes thinking that not only did he not get to start the race back up as the leader, but now you're getting penalized for doing a bump and run gone wrong, uh, that wasn't super egregious. I don't think that would sit very well with me if I was Steven Nassi on top of what happened last year. Seems like they don't like him down here, man. <laughs> you know, they just like uh, uh, the, the calls seem to go against him. So, um, yeah, unfortunate, man. Still was a good entertaining race, and uh, it was worth watching. So, um, love that Pensacola stuff, man. What a hell of a racetrack. Well, and let's end with this of the Snowflake 100 before getting into the Snowball Derby here. Um, everyone there does such a great job. And even though if we disagree with a call or think it could be different or, or our opinions, they do a fantastic job down there. It was a very entertaining race. Uh, kudos to everyone down there that continues to make this great event bigger and bigger every year, continues to make it such a great event. We talk about it all the time. We can't wait to get back there. We will get back there in time, and uh, just thank you to to everyone who makes it happen down there. They do a they do a fantastic job. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why it's the Super Bowl of, of racing down there, man, and and it's well deserved to be be called that. It's a one heck of an event. It's a it's it's what it is, man. Super Bowl. <laughs> no doubt about it. Then we got the big one, the 53rd annual Snowball Derby, 300 laps around Five Flag Speedway. 
What an awesome race. Derek Thorne led him to green, and he was dominant early pretty much through the whole day. Yeah, a short run, long run. He was he was the man. He was uh, quite uh, obvious he was the man to beat uh, today. The only challenger he really had early was Caden Honeycutt. Caden led a few laps. He was fast all weekend as well, but Thorne was pretty stout. You could kind of see him with lap traffic, though, that he was having issues with that. He was just a little unstable, maybe a little loose. Um, lap traffic sure seemed to have gotten away there early and pretty much through the whole day of that race. Yep. And then as the race got on, you know, Ty Majeski, he struggled a little bit early. He fell back in the back half of the top 10. Some guys were kind of struggling early, and you wondered how they would be able to adjust on their car and how they were going to get back up there. There was there was comers and goers uh, in that first stage. Uh, you know, Ty fell back, but boy, watching Chase Elliott come all the way from the back, you know, and uh, Chandler Smith, those guys were locked together all day long watching them come through and uh boy they looked like they had the uh they had the long run cars there in that first stage before the first pit yeah and i would include kyle bush in that discussion as well he looked pretty good early you thought this might just lay right in his lap as the race went on yeah that sure changed after a pit stop though then boy you could see how who hit the uh who hit the right adjustments after their first pit stop and who actually kind of missed it it was quite obvious to see who the covers and goers were after that. Absolutely. And, you know, Ty started making his way forward ever so slightly. There was a couple of incidents there, but you could tell he was starting to pass cars. And as the run went on, his car got better and better. Yeah, you could see they actually made the right call. Whatever they did to that car to straighten it out, that was uh, was on it. But nobody at that time was showing me that uh, – Derek Thorne was the guy that was just out just uh, putting laps down. And he was laying that left tire right on that yellow line between one and two. And I just thought that was the line that uh, was unbeatable. That's what it looked like to me at that time. Yeah, if you can stay right on that line, exiting two, maybe even dip it off just slightly and not get loose, you are going to be hard to beat there. Yeah, and if... It was just hooked up, and his car just looked so so decent through that whole works. And, uh, you know, we sat and we were doing uh, arithmetic there, waiting for the competition cautions, you know. Um, <laughs> good, clean race. Uh, apparently, this is the, the fastest uh, um, snowball derby ever, I guess, by five minutes. So it was a very fast-paced race, and probably a good thing because weather was, was on the horizon, so... You know, by starting early, that was a good call that they did that today. It sure was. And, yeah, after that first incident there, pretty clean race all day long, as you just mentioned, Mark. Um, and then after that first incident in that second stage, Ty really turned it up, was able to get into the top five, into the top three, and it was starting to work in his favor. You could actually see that whatever – Whatever change they did on that first pit stop, they hit a bullseye on that, and then you could just watch him come on through. Um, there were some guys that were actually ended up kind of neutral. Uh, Chase Elliott, as much as that he was coming through, kind of held his own. 
Um, Kyle Busch fell off after that first pit stop. Um, boy, he was <laughs> he was all over the place. It was kind of weird to see how um, he was actually coming around, but he actually got it back together on the long run. At the end, it seemed like it kind of came back to him. Yeah, it did a little bit for sure. And then the key, I looked over at you as we were watching this, and I thought Ty needs to get by Derek Thorne before this competition caution to have a shot here because if Thorne leads that last restart and continues to hold the lead, he is going to be almost unbeatable. Anybody who had that had that position, because uh, we knew the caution was going to come out with lap 22 to go, and then after pit stops it would be 15, and whoever had that lead had control of the restart. And, uh, man, that was a race inside the race, and uh, Ty got him, you know, what, two laps before... Uh, what was it, like lap 24 or 25, and he got the lead, and so that when the caution was over, he had control of the field after that. Yeah, it wasn't much before the, the caution came out that Ty got by, and right there, that was going to be a good thing for him. There was a uh, restart then. He was able to control it. There was a caution shortly into it. Derek Griffith and uh, Boris Yurkovich get into it, Racing incident, but a hard hit for Yurkovich. Man, that was scary, man. I says, wow, that was a pancake. When you when you slapped the wall like that, and, and it took all the speed out of that car. And, uh, yeah, good to see uh, uh, Boris get out of that car, man. That, that, car, that car took a hell of a hit there. Yeah, it just pounded that right side. And you could see the right rear wheel wasn't uh, in the right spot. And... He, it took a little bit for him to get out, but he did get out. Everyone was okay, fortunately. But also, you wondered about Derek Griffith's car after that because that right front took a hit before uh, Yurkovich went spinning. And, you know, he was stout. I mean, he had, he had some power. He was coming through the field at that time, too. So He sure was. Well, Ty Majeski was able to fend off Thorne on that restart. Thorne got by for just a little bit. Majeski gave him a little tap on that back end, was able to get back by, and Ty Majeski goes on to win the 53rd annual Snowball Derby. An awesome race. Derek Thorne comes home second. He had to lead, my guess would be 240 laps. Wouldn't you say something about that, 230 maybe, laps? Maybe even more than that. Uh, maybe about 260 or something. Yeah. You know, we ain't got the stats in front of us right now, but Derek Thorne, uh, dominated that race, and boy, was he dejected afterwards, man. He was bummed out. I mean, he had the car. That that thing was hooked up all day long, but uh, like I say, Majeski and his team hit a bullseye, whatever they found on that setup, and and he he worked his ass off, and he got it and uh, deserves a, the win there. Absolutely. Chase Elliott comes home third, Chandler Smith fourth. Those two came a long way, too. They were racing in the last chance yesterday. Two Georgia boys, and they were hanging together all race long. Every time you saw one, you saw the other one right there. Them, them two guys had identical days right there. Caden Cunnicutt, what a drive for him. He was also in a Donnie Wilson car, as was Chandler Smith. He had an excellent day, was fast all weekend. He gets into the top five there. Cole Butcher from Canada, he comes home sixth. Kyle Busch, seventh, probably won't be happy with that, uh, but 
he was okay all day. Grant Engfinger, eighth. Derek Griffith comes home ninth after that hit. That's pretty impressive. And uh, Kyle Plott comes home tenth to round out the top ten there for you. Yeah, um, kind of surprising how much Kyle really actually struggled today. It was it was as much as he looked like he was the car to beat coming through at the first part of the race. Um, track conditions got away from him. Um, Enfinger, wow, uh, very impressive. I thought they were going to wreck there at the last. Day. They were bouncing off each other, and <laughs> it was it was crazy. So. Uh, um, all in all, wow, what a race, man. That was uh, that was downright intense racing. Um, I'll classify that as the best race of 2020. I would agree with you. Uh, for sure, one of them, if not the best. Uh, Travis Braden, who we also interviewed, he came home 13th. Derek Krause, 15th. John DeAngelis Jr. came home 18th. Paulie Schaefer Jr., 20th. And Dan Fredrickson, 26th. So they were uh, outside uh, of the top 10 there. Uh, we wanted to mention them since they were gracious enough with their time to get interviewed along with the drivers in the top 10 that we did. Remember, uh, four of our friends did go home yesterday as well, among some others. Uh, you know, the other thing we should mention too, Stephen Nassi was up in the top five all day until he had his issue. He had some electrical issue that showed up at one of the pit stops and they had to push him and eventually it went awry for him and he had a pit and his day was done. Yeah, it started with a battery kind of thing, but something else maybe was draining that battery, and all of a sudden it lost power, and, and he was up there. He was uh, going to be a factor at the end of that race. He was downright fast, too, and, um, yeah, un bummer for him, man. <laughs> you know, he was he was going to be there, but, well, that's that's mechanical, and he just kind of gave a couple high fives and walked off to the, into the sunset, so he, he took it graciously. And another thing we should mention, too, a guy who is so successful down there, Bubba Pollard struggled all weekend, and today was, uh, again, a struggle, and he ended up at that first caution pretty much parking it. He was two laps down in that Van Doren 71. He actually came over at that last competition caution walked over by Chase Elliott because Chase Elliott was driving a Seneca performance car, so he came over there. Of course, Bubba Pollard raced Seneca performance over the last five years or so and was giving him some encouragement there. Um, interesting situation there. Unfortunate for Bubba. You know, you just didn't really expect that. You thought teaming up with Van Dorn, you would expect to see more of the same out of him. You know, he was on LTN this morning and uh, and he uh, gave a little interview to uh, Jackie Noodleman and she uh, he said that uh, he was hoping that it was going to be a better car, and he just, uh, um, just like Hakana, all of a sudden, once when it just ain't worth being out there anymore, he parked it, and uh, that was unfortunate. Um, another one was uh, Roderick was uh, uh, somebody else that was going to be up there, Casey Roderick, and, and he got into an incident that gave some rear end damage, and that kind of messed up his car, and he would have been up there too. Um, looked like a, a guy that uh, was going to be there at the end, but Ended up with an incident on the front stretch. Yeah, Casey Roderick and Hunter Robbins uh, were the main part of that incident, and the Robbins team wasn't too happy with Casey Roderick. They didn't really show what happened on Speed 51, unfortunately, but unfortunate for two drivers that you thought had a chance to win this. Yeah, Dan Fredrickson was in there, and he was up. He was turned around. Didn't look like much damage like that, but uh, surprised Dan was 
down so fast. I mean, he went a lap down so quick and then two laps and um, just, um, it's a, <laughs> wow, it's amazing that how, how good Danny runs and that he just couldn't keep up with uh, find himself so laps down. And Paulie Schaefer, uh, same thing. All of a sudden, there he is, and he just kind of went a lap down, just just didn't have track position or just didn't have the right setup today. So unfortunate for them guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of this race. You can be the who's who, and if you're off just a tick, it's a long day because some of those guys are going to be stout, and we, we saw more of that today. Well, you just watch Bubba. You know how Bubba Pollard gets around that place and, Boy, if you ain't, if you don't have it right, boy, it's just so obvious of how just being a tick off can just matter so much down there. Wow, unbelievable. And let's go back and talk about Ty Majeski a little more. You know, he ran that late model stock uh, down in Florence a few weeks ago for Chad Bryant Racing. It kind of appeared to me, and I'll be interested to talk to him about this, that he was just letting the race kind of come to him instead of going all out, kind of like a Derek Thorne was doing maybe. And I wonder if sitting there and just riding for a major part of that late model stock race kind of gave him some new ideas of what to do in this race because he kind of just bided his time and the car came to him later in the run. Yeah, it seemed like there was some patience that was going on there. And that first stage before the first pit, um, he was falling back and, he actually, once when they were going into three, he could have stuck his nose in there. Um, I, I I don't remember the cars. I think Chase Elliott was one of them. There was somebody else that went through. Maybe uh, that was Roderick that went through. And, and Ty just held the, the, the line. And, and he he fell all the way back to ninth place. And just like, yikes. You could just see how much the car fell off. <clears throat> but it still came down to whatever they did on that first pit stop was right on whatever Ty wanted on that and whatever they gave him, it just seemed like they hit a bullseye on that. And, man, that was the car to beat. They got away from him. They're sitting there showing, like, 12, 15th place cars that were racing and everything. And, then, and I was saying to you, Lauren, I said, gee, I'd like to see up front and see if Ty is actually catching them, you know. And after a couple laps, also, also I hear, uh, hey, Ty is slowly catching them, you know, catching Thorn. And by gum, if he didn't chase him down and and uh, even stuck his nose under his bumper just a little bit, uh, a little bit of intimidation, I'd say like, hey, look in your mirror, I'm right here. But the whole race was that he got that lead on that competition caution with 22 to go. That was the race. That was the winning move right there. Yep, no doubt about it. I just remember looking over at you saying, he needs to get it now, otherwise this could not happen. And he got it and had enough car to, on the short run there at the end to, to finish it off. It went into overtime a little bit, so it has to run five green, lake, green flag laps consecutively at the end of the race to be official. They got all 300 plus some laps in. Um, man, what a drive by Ty Majeski. Uh, the kid is just an awesome driver. Derek Thorne as well. All those guys down there are great. And uh, Ty just was able to cap it off. Yeah, you got to feel for Derek Thorne. Uh, they did an interview with him uh, outside the tech center and kind of said, well, Ty kind of put the bumper to him just a little bit. And he, he did what he had to do, and he was completely dejected. And, uh, you know, uh, wake up tomorrow, uh, probably be just a little bit of a brighter day. What a bummer to lead that lot much, to be dominant 
and the car just was, I don't think you could get that car any better than what he was. But he was he was loose in traffic. Um, when, a, when he was with the lap cars, he just seemed to be just a little unstable around other other cars. Um, when, uh, it seemed like Ty just was right on a rail, and, and that was the difference in the race. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure he'll replay that back in his head for a long time. He said 365 days. I bet you longer than that because this one will, will sting because it's not too often that you get a car like that. And you know, actually, Ty Majewski knows all about that. He could have four or five snowball derbies by this point, and it just hasn't come to fruition. Everything needs to go right. The car needs to be right for you to be able to take this win and uh, it happened right for Ty. Unfortunately for Derek Thorne, it did not. You know, they clicked tires there, just like, ooh, you know, you could cut a tire down. And there was a little bit of aggressive driving that was going on there. I mean, they were trading just a little paint. And, boy, when you dance like that, man, it's just, that's a thing of beauty. Just, you know, you don't wreck the other guy. And you kind of get into him a little bit, but you don't want to push him too hard. And, you know, and. Oh, that's just awesome stuff, man. That's what it's all about to watch the the Snowball Derby. That is one kick-ass race right there. I liked it. That's the race of the year, man. Yep, yep. I uh, I agree with you, and that's what racing's all about. And we are still giddy about it, as you can probably hear in our voices over here. It just, it was just an awesome day. I'm glad everyone stayed safe. Victory beer. <laughs> Clunk. Uh, so. Glad everyone stayed safe. Glad they were getting getting uh, the whole race in. Again, they moved the race up one hour for uh, today's race. And uh, great call. Great job by everyone down there. Uh, as mentioned in the snowflake finish, they don't get enough credit for what they do, do down there at any track, really, uh, especially for bigger events. It takes uh, months and months to get everything right. They do a great job. How about Speed 51 as well? We aren't fortunate enough to make it down there every year as of yet. Uh, can't wait to get back. They put on a great show that we're able to watch it as well. I, I told you, Mark, too, I remember sitting at my uh, mother's house. So this was probably close to 10 years ago, listening to pole qualifying through a radio station in Pensacola. That's how far we've come in a few, a few short years that Speed 51 has us all together where you can sit and watch it. And it's just phenomenal. Great job by that team. Great job by the uh, Five Flags crew. Uh, kudos to everyone involved in this thing. And great job by Ty, Derek, and all the drivers down there. It was great, and we can't wait for next year already. Yes. Kudos to all the Midwest guys down there. You know, we know how much effort and how much it takes for you to go down there and do all that. And and you, you did us all proud in the Midwest, you know, yes. from the Midwest to go down there. And, and some didn't make it, and some did and. You know, and hopefully everybody that didn't make it learned and that they can come back next year and give it another shot one more time. Um, it's definitely worth it, worth it to go down there and try and get, do it again. I couldn't say it any better myself. Uh, we are so proud of everyone that went down there, especially from here, but everyone. Um, but up here, too, it's a long way down, and we're so proud of you and can't wait to see you coming up here soon and recap your seasons. Well, Mark, thank you for joining me on this. Uh, again, we look forward to doing more of this, some interviews coming up here within the next few weeks, hopefully. 
little break for the holidays and then we'll get back right back into it. So thank you. It was a good weekend and uh, congratulations goes out to Ty Majeski. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody, you know, and a happy new year. And uh, I don't know, we might, might be on before then, you know, but still put out a good old Merry Christmas out there and, you know, and hopefully everything gets better and 2021 will be so much better and something to look forward to. And wow, racing next year, dude. There's a lot to look forward to, man. There's some good stuff that's out there. Good, good kids that are growing up and, and getting better. And wow, I'm uh, I'm excited for next year. It's it's going to be a good year next year. So something to look forward to. Yep, absolutely. We hope to do a few interviews between now and the holidays. But if this is the last one you're listening to before then and uh, the holidays, happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas, happy New Year, and thank you for all the support. See you, man. See ya. Good good year, man. Yes, sir. We Thank you. It. All right, see ya.